it's difficult to pinpoint specific moments, but I think everybody listening to this can can relate and can think of their own moments too of like just throughout the years because it does it piles up over over time. You're like, wow, like I really need to do something about this because it is tiring. It is tiring to be controlled by food and by exercise. And I think it was just eventually I just got so tired. I just got so tired of being a slave to the gym and to fitness and health. Welcome to Let's Thrive the Podcast, a place for holistic storytelling with none of the BS and a whole lot of fun. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and my mission is to interview guests that inspire, educate, and empower you to live your best life. In these stories, you'll see a part of your own journey reflected in theirs and learn to grow from it. And with that said, let's thrive. Welcome back to Let's Thrive the Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels. If you're new here, you just found the episode through Gabby or another guest, welcome. If you're an OG and you're coming back for yet another episode, welcome back. I am grateful to have you here listening and choosing Let's Thrive for your podcast of the day. Maybe it's one of multiple podcasts, who knows? Life is crazy. I'm currently recording this intro, I'd say like two weeks in advance. Uh, If you're new around here or you just haven't caught up on recent episodes, I'm in the midst of moving right now. It's September of 2020. I'm moving to Austin, Texas, and oh my gosh, it's just been such a whirlwind, um, such a process. And so I'm trying to catch up, get ahead on podcasts so that if I'm in the middle of moving down there, I don't have to obviously worry about recording. Uh, So not too much of a life update here just because I don't really know where I'll be when you guys are listening to this, hopefully in Austin. We'll see. But yeah, so as I mentioned before, if you're here for Gabby, that is because today's episode is with the phenomenal Gabby Mail and uh, I just love this one because it went in so many different directions than I was, I don't know, necessarily expecting. Uh, I first found Gabby on Instagram uh, through her friend, Mick, who is also an influencer in the ED recovery body, you know, body acceptance space. And I just personally love following them both. You know, I realized a while ago, probably like right before, kind of during when the Black Lives Matter movement really started to, you know, take action, I realized in that sense, you know, how lacking of diversity my feed was. You know, even though I follow 500-something accounts, which sounds so crazy to say, but I know pretty much all of you listening probably do as well, 500-something accounts, um, it was seriously lacking diversity. And I mean, obviously in the realm of, you know, I wasn't following a lot of black content creators and people in business and people in spirituality or in health or wellness, whatever it is. And, you know, that obviously was something I worked to shift because I wanted to find more, you know, variants of accounts and who I was following. But I also realized that that had happened with kind of like body image and with, the type of content I was taking in, right? Like I was following, I guess, a certain theme, like a certain theme of people, of people that looked like me and not just once more in skin color, but in body shape and body size and people talking about similar things to me. And I just realized, you know, like I want to make my feed more diverse and not just in body shape and body size and skin color, but also in thoughts, right? Like I want to follow people that post captions that get me thinking. You know, maybe it's something that hits really home and I'm like, ouch, I feel that. Or it's just a thought that I don't actually agree with, but it gets me to see that other side, like the two sides of a coin, right? I just, I realize, you know, how important it is to not have this quite literally monochromatic feed, but to instead expand it and broaden it and make it like this rainbow of all different types of people and thoughts and topics and, you know, all different kinds of lifestyles that I'm seeing and being involved in. And, you know, that's pretty much how I found Mick and then Gabby, today's guest, Gabby Mail, because I just started following different accounts and hers popped up, you know, as a suggestion through her friend. And it just went from there. Like, I'm so happy now that I have such a 
variety of people I follow because they've really opened my eyes. They've gave, you know, given me new things to think about. And I'm just next level excited that I then get to bring some of those people onto the show and expose you all to them. So it's just all kinds of good there. Uh, and the reason I bring that up is because, you know, Gabby and I discuss a lot today. I'd say there's like four major topics we hit on though. And social media and the role it plays in not only our life, but in recovery and the impact it has on us is a big topic that we both, you know, are very passionate about and discuss on. So we do discuss how Gabby started her recovery journey after seeing her friend, Mick, whom I mentioned above, start her recovery journey. And it's just so neat to hear how these two friends took on something as big as recovering from disordered eating. I mean, talk about a great support system. Uh, and in that, we dive into Gabby's new sustainable clothing line, Relic 96, and the power of proper clothing, as in clothing that actually fits your body here and now, um, in recovery especially. And that's a very powerful conversation that's sometimes hard to have. And that leads into Gabby's journey overall to recovery. Uh, and in that, you know, how what it was like to recover while in a relationship and the impact of disordered eating on a significant other and how they can support you and how to really have that, you know, open communication with them. Uh, and then in that, like the overall life benefits of choosing recovery. And we discuss this neat idea of, re of viewing life, but focused here on recovery through a macro lens versus a micro lens. And if you're into photography at all, you'll probably kind of get an idea of what we're discussing here. Otherwise, just listen. Gabby explains it very well. And I think it's a really neat tool that you could try. And since Gabby's social media is a place where fitness meets self-love and food freedom and life overall after recovery, she does share in this episode how she was able to go from fitness obsessed to intuitive fitness and still keep fitness and movement as a major part of her life without it becoming overbearing or obsessive. I just really love the tips and tricks that Gabby shares, not only on that topic, but just in general in this conversation. Uh, makes it seem much more manageable to walk away from a podcast episode saying, I want to try that, I want to think about that, or I want to journal on that. So, I'm always hoping the guests <laughs> spew some good tips and tricks in that sense. So if you enjoy this episode and it resonated with you, let us know. Gabby is on Instagram at Gabby Mail, and I'm on there at Emily Feichels and at Let's Thrive Podcast. We'd love to see if you guys share the show and tag us. You can always message me as well. And if you enjoy this episode or just the show in general, it would mean so much if you could leave a rate and review real quick. It helps support the show, helps get more amazing guests like Gabby on, and it's just a kind thing to do for a creative. Consider it your, like, good deed for the day or the week. <laughs> so without further ado, let's begin. Well, I wanted to start out with something that I feel is still rather new, at least since you've announced it, but you have, like, I don't know, I guess the specifics, but it's a clothing line, correct? Mm -hmm. And it's sustainable and it's size inclusive and it's just such a neat concept. And I was so excited when I saw your post on it. So could you like share a bit about yeah. that? Like, how are you feeling about that right now? I think it's just such a neat and exciting uh, you know, thing to do and release during these times. Yeah. So basically it came about from just having like quarantine boredom. Um, I think everybody kind of went through the, it was happening on TikTok. Everybody was like bleach dyeing everything in their closet. And I had done it with my friends and I fell in love with it. And some of my friends were like, can you do mine? Like, you're so good at it. And mine always just turn out bad. And so I did it for them. And then my boyfriend actually said to me, he was like, you know, you could sell these. And I was like, no, I'm not going to, I have so much stuff going on in my life. Like I am not going to do that. Hell no. I was like, no, but of course I was like, well, let's just like go like do some thrifting. Cause I want to, I want some more for myself. And then I was like, let's just pop it on Mercari, see if it sells. And then they sold in two seconds. So I was like, okay, let's just get 20, put them up. They sold in literally two minutes. And I was like, okay, the entrepreneur inside of me was like, I can't not do something with this. And I'm obviously, I'm, I'm very passionate about, um, 
like sustainability and being eco-friendly and finding new ways to just like make those little adjustments in your life because I'm not someone who's that's not my life purpose that's not my area of expertise but it's something I am very passionate about and I'm really passionate about making it really doable like in a way that it's you don't have to go all in but you can make little changes because that's if we can all do that that's going to make a big difference so I was I didn't want to buy um like t-shirts and stuff from Walmart or like places that are already contributing to fast fashion. So I really wanted to focus on only thrifting clothes and um, antiquing clothes and finding uh, shirts and jeans and shorts and stuff that would end up in a landfill, you know? So I basically take them and I either crop them, bleach dye them. Sometimes I just leave them because they're really, really dope, like vintage t-shirts. And yeah, I'm launching it tomorrow. So we'll see, we'll see how this big, this is my first like big launch. Um, but I'm super excited. It's something for me, like, and I'm sure you can probably relate to this, but throughout quarantine, it's, it's a lot of, I've done a lot of kind of just like inner work and something I've noticed personally that I just need to get better at is not being on my phone so much because I, I work on social media. I do so much. I'm just constantly glued to this thing. And so why I love this so much, I'm pointing at my shirts right now. <laughs> so that's what's right Context. there. I'm like looking at them, like just, they're beautiful. Um, yeah, it's doing something with your hands that's not on social media and doing something creative, doing something that is just in that kind of creative realm that doesn't involve technology is really important for me because then it allows me to be a better air quotes influencer or content creator. It allows me to be more present when I am on my phone because I've spent more time um, really tapping into that kind of childlike creative side of me that I love and have kind of struggled my whole life to really find an outlet for. So it's, and then the entrepreneurial side of me gets, gets the benefit too, because I get to turn it into a little business with my boyfriend. So I told him, I was like, if, if I'm going to do this, you have to help me. So I get to do all the fun, like thrifting and making, and he gets to upload and put everything on the website. So I love it. No, it's, it's the best of both worlds. And I agree, like during this entire quarantine time i know i've done and just you know the general vibe from instagram is that people are going through a lot of hard shit right now and it's because we're facing a lot of that like inner stuff right and we're realizing how obsessed and glued we are to technology or how much we tie our worth into instagram or you know into our bodies or whatever it is and i think like finding i think this has been the time for people to find those like you said like inner child things like things we've always dreamt of doing but we never had the time or the reason to and now it's like what better time than this we're all stuck at home so I oh I just absolutely love that and it's such a neat concept too like the the few shirts that you kind of like gave a preview of like you said some of them are just dope plain like they're just vintage they're antique but then if you do any sort of you know like different designs crop whatever they are like it's just such a neat concept and I really yeah. feel like people are looking for that nowadays too like your own unique style statement yes. piece even yeah taking something old and making something new it's it's yeah it's so much fun I'm I'm excited and so I'm hoping that it goes really well so I can keep doing it for myself but also so that people can get more shirts so <laughs> I'm excited yeah it'll be neat it'll be neat and you know I I just think it's really also neat that you're doing this because it was something else that, you know, when I reached out to you, I wanted us to talk about is, you know, your past and I have a similar past with disordered eating and diet culture and everything that goes into that. And something you talk a lot about is body image and, you know, confidence and just really accepting and embracing our bodies as they are, no matter the changes we go through. And, you know, when I was thinking about what I wanted to touch on, something that really resonated with me is just the idea of you know, when it comes to clothing, I think so often we box ourselves in, right? Like we say, this is my style, this is my size, and anything outside of that, like, no. And so then when we, when our bodies, you know, change naturally, or when we gain weight, whatever it is, like, we just get ourselves stuck so often. And finding clothes that really fit us, fit our style, and, you know, and a celebrate maybe a changing body is so important in recovery. And you know, I'm just curious, like, how has that part of your journey been for you? Like that yeah. watching your body kind of like change and finding ways like proper clothing, like different ways to celebrate, you know what I mean? Like the body that you kind of transition into. Yeah, for sure. This is actually one of my, I love this topic. We, um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I have a female empowerment retreat company with my friend Mick. 
Um, and our last retreat that we did before COVID and everything was um, the theme of it was called Conquer Your Closet because we know that this is such a tough area um, with women, especially who are going through recovery or just going through changes in life. Clothing, we don't realize it, or maybe we do, but for me personally, I didn't realize how emotionally tied I was to the stuff in my closet and how it was making me feel. And I don't think a lot of people realize how much weight emotionally it can have over you when you do put something on that used to fit and now it doesn't. It almost, in a way for me, it almost affected me more than when I stepped on the scale because when you step on the scale, it can mean a million things. It can mean you're bloated. It could mean you're, you ate extra yesterday. It can mean you're tired. It can mean you're stressed. There's a million different reasons, but when you put on something that maybe you've worn your like for years and it's been one of your staple items and it doesn't quite fit or it just doesn't feel right, that almost hits a little bit deeper than just a number on the scale. And I know that can be so difficult for people to kind of let that go and figure out how to move forward. So something that I, I personally have done, but also we talked a lot about the retreat and had the women do was learning about different um, like styles and different shapes and different cuts and things that look good on your body type. I'm not going to go super into it because I'm not an expert. I have a, I can actually give you a resource to put in the show notes um, for a body like style, body positive style coach who does this for women who are going through changes, whether they just had a baby or they're, they're pregnant or they're postpartum or just gained weight or lost weight. And she helps people go through and kind of clean out their closet and make them feel confident about it. But for me, what the biggest thing is just getting rid of stuff and getting, being super brutal and just super honest about what's not working and knowing that because when you hold on to something, I noticed this for myself, when you hold on to an item and you, you think to yourself, oh, I'm going to get back into this one day, or you buy something in a smaller size as motivation to try and get to that size, it's this constant weight on your chest. It's this constant thing in the background that you're always thinking about. And it's just holding stress over you that is so unnecessary. So making sure that everything in your closet that you own fits your body now, because at the end of the day, you can sell the stuff. If you, if your body changes again, you can sell what you have now and get new stuff and really just letting go of, um, that the chain that we really put ourselves to when it comes to these certain clothing items and pieces. And when you get items that fit and like you feel good in them, it's almost, it's this incredible feeling. I, I, I just remember when I, finally like feel like I was confident in what was in my closet. You wake up in the morning and it's not stressful. It's not this entire just, just thing that makes you feel stressed. It's like, you can walk in there, pick one, two, three, and you're good to go. And it, it, it's not, there's no drama. There's no anxiety. There's no stress around it because you know, what's in there is going to work. Um, but it is difficult. It's not, I mean, I can say all of that and that doesn't take away from the fact that it is really, really, really hard emotionally. So if you are someone listening who is struggling with that, I really, really suggest that you either, if you're not already seeing a therapist, go talk to a therapist or talk to a loved one about this and just openly talk about it and say, Hey, I'm not feeling super comfortable in my clothes right now. Maybe could you go shopping with me? Cause I, if I go alone, I know I'm either going to end up having a breakdown or I'm not going to buy anything or I'm going to buy stuff that still doesn't fit. So having someone that you really trust and knows your story, knows your journey and can be really honest with you and kind of walk you through that is going to be really, really helpful. Right. And I think, you know, what I realized for myself is I think a lot of us understand that assigning moral values, you know, of good or bad to food isn't necessarily, you know, a, a good mindset to have, but I think we subconsciously do that with clothing and, you know, and with sizes too, right? Like I see this so often where it's, you know, there's almost like there's a limit that we set for ourselves, right? And it's like, I will never buy that size. Or if we do buy that size, we automatically feel horrible about ourselves, right? Because we've in our mind, demonized it and given mm -hmm. it this moral value that really just takes away from, like you said, at the end of the day, finding clothes that celebrate your body, you know, mm -hmm. and like fit your body. And I know, you know, I struggled with my, just, you know, how I felt about my legs for the longest time. You know, I was an athlete in high school and I just had a different leg size than, you know, some of my friends. And the moment I got shorts, you know, that actually fit my butt and my legs and my hips, 
like, I just remember that shift, right. Of mindset. It went from like, Oh, my legs feel so large to like, wow. Like I feel strong. You know what I mean? Like they just, it gives you a whole new perspective on yourself and your body versus just being like upset about it. Mm -hmm. And what's so crazy too, people don't realize this. This is something I actually learned from, um, her name's Daniela, the style coach. I didn't know this, but back in the olden days when we were like all seamstresses and we could sew and like fix our own stuff up, there were no sizes really. Like there was a like base, like a base few sizes and you went into a store, you went somewhere and you bought something and you never bought it off the rack to fit your body. You would buy it knowing you were going to go home and then make it fit your body. So the whole idea of sizes to begin with is so it's a society, it's a societal construct that we have created and it's, it is really just messed up. So if you're, if you go into a store, you could go into store a and be a size five in jeans, and then you could go into a different store and their sizing scales different, their materials different, and you could be an eight and that right there could ruin your day, but your body from the time you walked into store a and store B, it hasn't changed. Nothing has literally changed except for their sizes. So it has nothing to do with you. So kind of if you were going through this and you're going through that like inner battle when it comes specifically to sizes, reminding yourself that it's not your fault, it's not your body, it's the companies. And so finding companies too that do have better sizing. And I actually, I bought, I just bought a swimsuit from a company and they've actually completely gotten rid of the whole small, medium, large numbers. They've changed it to like these really cool names like Venus and like they have different names for it. So it's not these words that we have so ingrained in our mind as good or bad because we think oh small is good large extra large 2x bad you know and that's just so false because it's it's totally made up it's not even real yeah no a hundred percent yeah because it's as you said it's a societal construct it's a labeling it's a system that we've just all fallen into and um you know and it's a cycle like it's meant to keep us just kind of in that cycle of these are the good ones and these are the bad ones and let's stay in that. So um, I agree. Yeah. It's just so important. And I actually didn't know, well, I didn't know that you guys did the retreat on that topic. That's so neat. And especially that it was your last one, um, unfortunately for now. But, um, that was like the other part I wanted to talk to you about is I think it's so interesting that you guys, you started your journey like at the same time, right? Or did you start like sharing on Instagram the same time? Yeah. Um, Cause I found you through her. So I, I haven't been like following your journey as long, but I'm just curious to hear like how that started for you, because I think that's so neat. Like you don't get to see that often, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Having friends, um, that are going through the same thing that you are is I think very important as far when it comes to like food freedom and finding love within your body, like having a good support system is huge. And so for Mick, for those, most of you listening probably know, she's like the self-love queen, Mick Zazon. Um, we met on Instagram. Actually, we were working for the same company. It was like a supplement company. And um, we were kind of both in the exact same stage of like wanting to be fitspos, wanting to grow our fitness Instagrams and loving like the vlogging life and really kind of trying to do that side of things. And um, beyond Instagram and all of that, we personally just connected a lot to each other with our own journeys. And just, I think our souls are just meant to be sometimes she's like my best friend soulmate. And, um, so yeah, we, we hung out and I loved her as much as I love in person as I loved her on Instagram. And we, I think we became like really close when we went to Thailand together the first time, because when you travel across the world with someone, you really like yeah. <laughs> test, the, test the friendship. So everything was great. It was awesome. And that's kind of after that first trip to Thailand, this was in 2018. Um, that's when she went through, and this is before she had blown up and become like the Mick that she is today. Um, she, that's, right after that trip is when she went into recovery because um, there was stuff that happened on the trip that just was not good. And she really knew that that's what she needed to do. Um, And honestly, watching her go through recovery and watching her like truly like go all in is what inspired me too as well. And I didn't have to go through as much as she did as far as like seeing like therapists and doing all the different like therapy options because I just don't have as many um, like health conditions and mental health issues as she does. But having a a friend and a support system and watching someone like her who is 
inspires thousands and thousands of women every day. Having her as a best friend, it's like literally the most blessed person ever because she gave me courage when I would see her post something. It gave me courage to post something too. And when I would see her like embracing eating M&Ms at midnight, I'd be like, oh, I can do that too, you know? So almost just as much as the other women following her have been inspired by everything that she does, I have too as a friend and it's helped us grow and um, we've been able to like really have these like conversations that are so necessary when it comes to like recovery. And it's just been really awesome to kind of like each time we go on a trip, I think I made a post about this a few last week when we were on vacation together. Um, each time we go on a trip, it's like, we know we get, we have this conversation and we're like, Whoa, like we're even better now. Like it's just, it's really cool to like go through recovery with someone at the same time and kind of just see those milestones. It's, it's really, really nice. And moral of that story is follow people that are positive and uplifting on Instagram, because if I wouldn't have had that person in my life, if I wouldn't have been following those people, I wouldn't have been inspired to then share my journey and to go into recovery myself. So I, that's like one of my, the biggest things that I preach is um, clearing out your feed of people that just make you feel like crap and, and inserting people who are different and have different bodies than you or actually have the same body as you because we tend to follow people who are what we wish we looked like. Yeah. So yeah, just adding in more love and positivity into your timeline. Just like your closet. You've got to yes. do that. <laughs> yep. You've got to figure out what doesn't suit, you know, what doesn't serve you and then bring in what does. And I think what you said there about you know, just following all different types of people, right? And people that are really going to make you think, like the captions aren't necessarily maybe all, you know, it's not like you need positivity 24 seven, but people that get you thinking, like you and Mick, you share captions that sometimes I'm like, ouch, that hits home because I'm struggling with it right now. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it gets you thinking. And um, really, I feel it's like having that good friend, like pushing you to think, Ooh, how do I really feel about my body right now? Like it just gets you thinking. And that's what I love, you know, about following you both is just, you know, a post will pop up. And if it hits home, like that just shows me something I need to work on, right? Like it's almost like a reflection of, oh, wow. That's yeah. And, and the beauty of it too, is even beyond your own personal journey, it then inspires and allows you to have that permission slip to, to do it yourself too, because look at you, you've been podcast now and it's like doing all, and then, and you're able to then inspire people. And it's this beautiful domino effect that if that one person wouldn't have started, it wouldn't have continued. And so if you don't continue it, it's not going to keep continuing. So as far as like, I know a lot of people like want to share their journey too, but they're really scared to be vulnerable and they're scared to put it out there. Don't think about what, how it's going to feel for you. Think about how it could help literally just one person who might be struggling as well, maybe making them feel a little bit less alone or making them just know that they're, they're in the same boat as you and that they're not, they're not crazy. You know, like we're all dealing with the same stuff. So um, yeah, I know it can be scary though, to like put yourself out there and to like post on social media. So do it in a way that feels good for you and makes you feel comfortable. But, um, yeah, I think social media can be like the most beautiful thing ever, or it can be your own worst enemy. And you get to choose that. I, I always tell my clients like social media, like that timeline that we pull up when we open up our phone, it's a bubble. And the greatest thing is you get to create that bubble. It's like your, your friends and your network of people for the most part, you get to choose who is in that. And if you choose people who are not a good influence or are making you feel like you have to be a certain way or look a certain way or do certain things, then yeah, you're going to open it and you're going to instantly be stressed. You're going to always be wishing you look different. You're going to always be like feeling inadequate. Whereas if you can open up that bubble and scroll through it and just see people telling you that you're incredible and giving you advice and giving you, like you said, different perspectives and things like you can, it can be such an amazing tool for connecting people and inspiring people if you use it correctly. But that's like, the thing is, it's a hundred percent on you at that point. It's in your control. Yeah. I think we have so much more power than we realize, right? Like even something like that, that's powerful to be able to choose like who you're letting into your bubble, even on such a big, you know, uh, platform. Like that's, we have so many like little choices we can make each day, right? That contribute to our power and ourself, whether that's, you know, like choosing to, you know, eat the dessert because you want it or choosing to not work out because your body feels it or 
you know, choosing to unfollow someone, not because, you know, it's, and it's not, and having, and realizing that it's not like rude, you know, like it's not disrespectful. It's just you prioritizing yourself, right? Like making that choice, keeping like your inner power intact by really analyzing and having intention about like what you're letting into your life and what choices you're making. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It's so important. It's, yeah, social media is, it's so crazy. But again, yeah, you can make it something incredible if you choose. Yes. Well, so going back a bit with your journey, you know, for recovery and everything, I always just like to highlight certain parts of people's journey to hopefully, you know, get people thinking about their own life, you know, what's going on for them. So I'm just curious, you know, when going back a bit, what were some kind of like signs, things you noticed that made you realize maybe my relationship to health isn't as, you know, <laughs> healthy as I think it is. Like things that were a little bit of like a red flag got you thinking and really prompted you to embrace like a, a choice for recovery. Yeah. Um, I think there's so many different little moments and it's almost like it's in the little moments that you notice it. It's not ever these big things. Sometimes it is, but for me, I feel like I really did notice it in the, in the little moments. It was the moments when it's been three months and I haven't taken a rest day. And you hear someone talking about how they take three rest days a week and you're like, Hmm, I haven't rested in three months. Is that normal? No, that's probably not normal. And just kind of letting that sink in and think about it a little bit. Or in the moments when you would go out, when I would go out to lunch with a friend or with friends and I just like overthinking, you know, like constantly feeling like food was just like, uh, had so much weight over me. And I always talk about my journey in like two parts. There's like part one where it was super intense. Like the first part where I was very much had an eating disorder. And then there's the part two where like, I didn't get professional help. So I was kind of in this limbo of restrictive eating and dieting and the fitness kind of lifestyle where I thought I was being healthy and I thought I was recovered, but it was just another way to control my food in a less intense way, but still as mentally debilitating, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, just in those moments when you realize you hear people who aren't struggling with food, talk about something and you're like, Oh, that's weird. Like, I don't think about it that way, or I could never do that. You know, when, when you hear someone talk about, oh yeah, I had this amazing piece of cheesecake and, and then we went and got something else. And you think to yourself, holy moly, like I could, I could never do that. How do you do that? That's not normal. And I, and I knew that, and I knew that that wasn't okay. Um, and that's kind of when I, all of those moments led up to me wanting to make a change. But I, again, I go back to following other people and hearing other people's journeys when of them going through it and them talking about it and then being able to relate it back to my own journey and realizing things about myself because we learn by watching others. We learn by um, hearing stories similar to ours that we can relate to. Um, And when you are following people and you have people in your life and surrounding you who are going through those same things, you can have these conversations on a personal level and it allows you to kind of think outside the box and realize that the way you think about life or the way that you eat or the way that you move your body is not the only way to do it. And it's not the only correct way to do it. There's other things um, out there. And so, yeah, I, I don't, I'm trying to like think if there's like any like specific moments and I'm sure there are, but I think it actually is just a culmination of like years and years of moments, like years and years of just these little moments where you realize like, oh, I'm a little messed up in the head and I don't know how to get out of it, but one day I want to, you know, and then finally deciding I'm done with this and, and I want to be like her. I want to, I want to be free. I want to be able to eat M&Ms in my bed at midnight and not feel bad about it, but then also not feel like I have to go on a run at 6 a.m. to work them off. I can go on a walk later and it'd be fine, you know? So it's, it's difficult to pinpoint specific moments, but I think everybody listening to this can can relate and can think of their own moments too of like just throughout the years because it does it piles up over over time you're like wow like I really need to do something about this because it is tiring it is tiring to be controlled by food and by exercise and I think it was just eventually I just got so tired I just got so tired of being a slave to the gym and to fitness and health and um yeah 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a cycle. And Mm -hmm. if you don't choose to break the cycle, you're just, you're on a constant loop and you're always working. And I had someone once explain, you know, it's, it's like a chess game in your mind of, Mm -hmm. okay, I ate this. Now I have to do this. And can I eat that later? And, you know, it just, it's like a constant mental battle. And, you know, going back to the beginning, you know, the reason you've been probably able to build this platform that you have and do all the amazing things that you have done and start, you know, this new company now is because you have the mental space and the mental clarity that was previously probably taken up by those thoughts. Do you know, like, I don't know, I'm just speaking from personal. You are so right. I'm, Mm -hmm. I've had this conversation with myself in my head. I think about what I do in a day now and how much time I spend on my business and how much time I spend with my friends. Like I just bought an emu. We're going to go hang out in our hammocks later. Like before I, it would have been gym every day. And if I have time twice a day, you know, it's like when you, there's a difference between, and this is kind of when you get into like health versus like being obsessive about it because yes, you can go to the gym. Yes. You can still work out. Yes. You can still be healthy and you can prioritize that but there's a difference between between prioritizing and obsessing. And when you prioritize something and you do it because it's like you really, you need it for your mental health and you need it to feel good, or you're doing it because you're so freaking scared and you're so petrified that if you don't, it's going to change something about how you physically look and you're going to feel that loss of control. And so it's, it's all a balancing act of figuring out how, what looks, what is health, for you? What does that look like for you? And knowing that you're not going to be able to control it 24 seven and that you're not going to be able to always be the driver of the seat. And that's okay. You know? And like you said, I've been able to do so much more. I've been able to go on vacations and not work out for a week and it be like an amazing thing. And I've been able to start new businesses and create new relationships and have better relationships with people because my mind isn't constantly thinking about, Oh, I got to go to the gym. I got to cut this, this time short with you because I, I need to go work out for the second time today. No, you don't have to go work out for the second time today. You know, it's like, like focusing on what actually matters. And yeah, it is. It's crazy. When you think back of like you're, when you're in the recovered side of things, when you think back on your journey, it is crazy to think about just like the way you used to think about things. That's why I love having conversations with people who are in it because I can a hundred percent relate to where they're at. Um, and I hope that they can get inspired by where I am knowing that they can and will get there one day in a way that's in their journey and like what it looks like for them. But, um, yeah, it's, it is super interesting. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's scary to let go of control and disordered eating is, a major control factor. You know, it allows you to control everything. It gives you almost, you know, an actual false sense of control because in reality, right? Like you are not, it's more like the disordered eating is controlling you versus the other way around. But, you know, on the note of relationships and just how much, you know, clarity and just freedom it gives you in life. I'm curious, you mentioned earlier, you have a boyfriend and I don't know if he was, you know, if you guys were together during this time or what, but if, in that case, like how has your relationship changed specifically with like a significant other Mm -hmm. since you've recovered? Because I, I've talked to one other couple on this podcast and it was so eye opening to see, you know, like the ins and outs of a relationship as this friend of mine, you know, moved through recovery. So I'm just curious, like Mm -hmm. how it's been to, you know, recover and now be recovered with, you know, with someone else so close to you in your life. Yeah. So, excuse me, we have been together for four and a half years now. So I actually met him in the gym, like when I was at the height of my like Gmail fit, like fitness, everything stage. Yeah. (laughs) And, and he was super into fitness too, like not as much as me, but definitely like worked out every day, all of that. And so the base of our relationship at the beginning really was fitness. Like we would work out together and that was kind of what we would do. And it was a big, big part of our relationship. Um, and what's so cool and it, I just got goosebumps. I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but it's so cool. Like as it's not something that you consciously talk about. Cause I think when people think about this, they're like, Oh, what did you do to make that part of your relationship better as you recovered? It wasn't like I sat down with him and said, this is what we're going to do as I recover. It just happens naturally. It, but you can consciously make the decision to make these things happen. So as I was recovering, working out less, prioritizing like just physical fitness less. It also, I mean, 
you are the people you surround yourself with. So it also, it's helped him. Like he, I mean, we're still so active, but he isn't like, I have to go to the gym too. So I think in a way, like guys don't talk about it much, but I think that him watching me be so okay in my body and like love myself and just the way I talk about things, it's allowed him to feel better in his body and around the gym and stuff too. And it, what's been so cool, especially for our relationship is finding other ways to be active that aren't in the gym because we are very active people. Like that's just always going to be in me. It's in my DNA. I can be an active and like love activity, but that doesn't mean you have, I have to be obsessed with going into a gym, you know? So what's been so cool for our relationship is finding other ways to be active that don't involve going in lifting weights, you know, cause actually when you're in a gym, you're not actually really like talking to the person yeah. or like the person. So we've been, we go hiking, we play my, honestly, my number one form of movement right now is tennis. I don't know if you've, I always post about it, but we play tennis all the time. And that's been, I mean, he'd never played before and I, I played growing up. So I basically taught him and thankfully he's really good. So it's fun, but, um, we play tennis all the time and it's, and it's so fun. And it's honestly been really good for our relationship because we're both super competitive and it gives us something to like work towards to bond over, but it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with what we look like. It's, it's a, just a form of activity of movement that we love and we can get a little competitive with it and like go to new places and go, try new things and stuff. But it's, yeah, it is. It's really, really cool when you are in a relationship and going through that because it also allows you to feel so much more confident in your body and in yourself. And um, that obviously helps every area of life, especially with a relationship, just feeling more confident in who you are. It's like it, jealousy goes down because you're more confident in who you are. I hope this is okay to say, but like yeah. sex is better because like you feel more confident in yourself and you feel okay giving your body to someone else. Um, and yeah, it is, it's really cool. And then this is such a given, but I mean, going out to eat is so much easier, traveling so much easier just living is so much easier because it's so much more about the living and the being and not the constant doing of like, I need to eat this. I need to have this meal prepped. I have to go to the gym at this time. It's, there's a lot less pressure on both of us. And that creates an ability for us to like have conversations and grow as a couple when it's, and it's not surrounded by this one thing, you know? Mm -hmm. No. And as you were speaking, you know, I, was just thinking of all the friendships in my life, right? That this could also apply to just, you know, there's friends where similarly, yeah, it's like, oh, let's go to a workout class together. Well, <laughs> like how much of that time are we actually communicating versus just, you know, working out and not saying like, that's still fun, but yeah, just like whether it's in a relationship or a friendship or a, you know, family relationship, any sort of uh, relationship, if you can just, you know, really take like as you said take that pressure off and just be present make it more about the person you're with rather than what you're doing or what you're eating or even like how you feel you know like if if you're having a bad body image day whatever it is like i think there's so much power in just being present you know with ourselves and with those around us like it just makes you it makes you really value life more i think and i think that's important to have you know if you are in recovery is just that that real value for life and what you want to get out of it. Yeah. I always, this is one of my favorite analogies and just like images I personally think of. It helped me a lot when I was in recovery, but I also like, I talk about it when I reference my boyfriend, when I'm like 95 and sitting in my rocking chair and like looking back on life and holding his hand and we're just talking about all the memories. Like I don't want to look back and think about all of the moments that I didn't eat something or that I, I don't remember it because all I remember is the thoughts that were going on in my head about food or how I needed to go to the gym or how I just didn't feel good in my body or how I was feeling insecure. And so I don't want to look back on life and only remember that. And I don't want to regret it. I want to look back on life and think of like just all of the, the present conversations and people and experiences and delicious food that I ate completely guilt-free. And it's like, like you said, especially when you're in recovery, you have to kind of look at life on a more macro level and look at this long timeline that you have in your life and just realize like you have this much time, like what do you want to do with it? And realizing that the time that you spend in the gym or this time that you spend like thinking about your body, it's so tiny and it literally like how your body looks is a, 
grain of sand on that timeline and it means nothing compared to what you can fill that timeline up with. So it, yeah, it's just, I like thinking about it kind of like that. I almost, it's it's same with like, I like looking up at the sky and looking at the stars and being like, wow, I'm literally an ant. Like my <laughs> issues with bo my body and food, like literally mean nothing. Like life is so much bigger than this. Um, that's just something personally that has helped me so much as far as like, um, putting recovery and everything into perspective, but yeah, it is, it's, it's a, it's an interesting journey and everybody's going to go through it in a different way and going to go through it at a different pace too. But I think we've kind of talked a lot about relationships, whether it's friendships or, um, intimate relationships there, it is so important to have good people around you during it because, um, that can honestly make or break it. And it's so important to have someone that you can talk to and that you can relate to and that they don't have to be going through recovery too, but, um, if you don't have someone in your life right now, like maybe think about opening up about this, maybe think about talking about it or just letting someone in a little bit more than you maybe have, because having that is so important and it, it can and will get you through the hardest times in your life. Right. And they are really hard times. And, you know, something that I wanted to know is I love that idea of you looking at it almost like with a macro lens of the bigger picture, right? Because in the moment, in that micro view, recovery is hard. Like there will be days where it would be easier for you to just fall into old habits of restricting or of, you know, going to the gym for that second time or, you know, like all those little habits, it'd be easier to fall into those. But if you're able to look at it from that macro view of if I choose to eat today rather than restrict, and if I choose to rest rather than go to the gym, that's one more day that I'm making like a positive step forward. Right. And then you can do that one more day. Like if, if you can have that big picture view and remember that analogy, which I just, I love, you know, as time goes by fast, I think that's another way to pull yourself through those hard in the moment urges, right. Of falling back into that cycle. Cause you could, you could literally, if you look at it on that timeline, like put it into perspective, you could not work out for a year. And just people who are like in, in, in it right now and like are a bit kind of obsessive with working out or like that's a huge part of their life and that freaks them out. Think about it though. Let's say when you're 30 years old, you take your 30th year and you just say, I'm not gonna work out for a year. Go back to that macro lens. You still have like 60 years where you can work out every day if you wanted to. Like it's not gonna change your body and your life that much, you know? So obviously that's an extreme example, but like when it comes to taking a week off or taking the weekend off or even just a day off, it's not going to affect your body. It's actually going to help you. And it's, it's really, it is, it's so cool to, I mean, and you can do that with food too. You could say, I'm going to take a year and eat whatever the heck I want and not worry about it. Okay. Let's say you do that. You still, you have 60 years where you could eat perfectly air quotes clean and have whatever body you want but it people just like you said when you look through that microscopic lens and on a daily and instance basis it does it feels so intense it feels so difficult it feels so just hard but then when you kind of take a step back and look at, at a, in a from a bigger picture it you realize okay i can do this and i'm taking these very specific instances and making them so much more stressful and than they than they need to be yeah no, and I am curious, and I meant to ask earlier, but when it came to overcoming that fitness obsession, I know that's something a lot of people like really struggle with. And, um, you know, I've interviewed people before on this topic and the one woman, like she did take an entire year off of all, you know, exercise, movement, gym. And she said it was, you know, one of the best decisions she ever made for her mental, you know, mindset with fitness. And I'm just curious in your personal journey, you know, we've discussed a couple of things that you did, but were there any other like specific tools or tactics you did to really reframe that mindset from obsessive, you know, gym focused fitness to I'm moving because it feels good for my body? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So there's two things. First and foremost, I went to a completely different gym and actually a completely different style of working out because I hit a point in my journey where I was so sick and tired of what I was doing because at that point I was just going through the motions and trying to hold on and cling on to this one thing that I could control and that I thought I loved, but I didn't anymore. Um, so for me, it was doing a completely different type of movement. So I went from doing strict, like lifting, um, very like Monday's shoulders and 
chest day, I went from that to a group fitness style of class. So I did, it was like they did boxing, hit, lifting. They had a bunch of different styles. So I, cause I like, I get bored really easy. I like to change it up, but I had someone teaching a class and, and that was very different for me. I, I was always in control. I'm literally a personal trainer. I'm, I'd never liked having someone control my workouts, but giving that up and allowing someone to actually control and like me not have to think so much and just do and turn my brain off was so helpful. So I am a huge promoter of group fitness. I actually only do group fitness now. If I do any kind of like intense workouts, I do like cycling or um, a group style class. Occasionally I'll work out at home, but it's never as good as when I'm at the group fitness classes. Um, so just trying different things that you maybe thought you couldn't do or wouldn't get you the same physical results, because if you're doing it for that, you're doing it because you want to look a certain way. So instead try different forms of movement that you actually love and doing them because you love them and not tying them to an aesthetic goal, tying them to a mental goal or tying them to, um, tying them to nothing, just doing them for your health, you know? Um, yeah, that's number one. And then number two is, um, looking at health as these different things in our life. So health is an umbrella term underneath health. There's physical, there's mental, there's emotional, social, financial, environmental, nutritional. There's literally so many different types of health and areas and pieces and parts to our health that really matter. And so something that really helped me was realizing that physical was just one of those pieces. And actually all of these other areas were not doing too hot when I was only focusing on the physical. And so I kind of look at it as like a list. So if you have all of these different areas of health, giving permission to that list to change and to shift as far as the prior prioritization of it. So let's say you have like one through eight, these different types of your health. Let's say you have one week where you, your friend has a birthday party and you have um, another event or something like that, your social health and your like relationship health is going to have to bump to number one. And allowing that to happen is so important because for that week or for that day, that's going to be the part of your health that really matters. And you're still focusing on your health. You're still being healthy. And it doesn't mean you have to work out. It doesn't mean you have to be physical. Let's say you wake up the next day or the next week you have, you, you feel kind of sluggish. You really do want to move your body. Okay. Physical can bump back up to that number one priority, but let's say the next day a tragedy happens or something happens where you need to allow it to move down again. You have to loosen the chains chains and loosen the grip that you have on the priority. Cause for me, physical was always number one, like no matter what test I had, no matter what was going on in my life, physical was number one and I didn't let it ever move. It was always the most important thing and that is not okay. So allowing the different areas of your health to shift depending on what's happening is like the biggest thing that you can do. Oh my gosh. I love that because I'm such a list person. I love, I have lists for yeah. everything yeah. and I love that idea because it's so true. Like I think we could probably all be there where for me it was in high school and I would Literally, like thinking back now, I'm like, how, why, what did I do that for? You know, like pr getting four hours of sleep, you know, so that I could wake up early to work out before school and then staying up late because, you know, I worked out after school and couldn't do my homework, like such like ridiculousness. And it's so true what you said, right? Like I just shared on my stories this morning that we're recording of how like this week I've been prioritizing sleep a bit more. And it's just funny to me how I do this and so many others do this, right? Like we focus so much on fitness and food. And then, mm -hmm. as you said, we forget everything else. Like we forget that the most basic and free thing you can do of sleeping is probably one of the actual most important ones. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, all the other little ones like social health and financial. And, and what's so hard though is because we, society and media mm -hmm. tells us and I mean, it's, and it's also just true that sleep isn't going to make you look a certain way, you know? I mean, actually it is, you're going to look like less tired and feel less better. inflamed. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But it's not like, it's not as tangible. We are as humans, we want results now. We want to see the results we want. We want it now. And the only things from that list that we can physically see 
that like can change our bodies is food and fitness. That's why they're, that's why they're the easiest and they're most controllable. And that's why people become obsessed with them. No one's obsessed with emotional health. Like no one's like obsessed with being the most emotionally healthy person. No, you know, it's because we don't see that and it doesn't physically change our bodies. And so it is difficult to prioritize sleep because you think, well, what's that actually going to do for me? It's, it'll be fine, you know? but it actually isn't fine. And it, and it does make an effect on your health. And so looking at your health and completely like getting rid of all of the aesthetic parts of it and not worrying about what it's going to physically make your body look like and focusing what it's going to make your body feel like that is everything. It's, it is crazy though. Like I was the same. I'm like, I just, right when you said that, I, I remembered I used to work at the gym in college and I would get off at midnight because I worked the night shifts and I would go back to my apartment gym at, at midnight, at midnight 30, oh, well, <laughs> at 12.30 a.m. And I would do 10 sprints before I went to bed because why not? Like that's mm-hmm. not normal, you know? Like that's not necessary, like go sleep. No, yeah, it's, it's just so true. And I, I'm sure people, everyone listening to this is thinking of that exact moment of, you know, when they've done that. And it's, it's so true. When you were saying like, my mind was blown, I hadn't thought of it that way, but it's so true. Like we food and fitness as our fast fix, you know, we see that those are the most important ways because they change our body aesthetics and mm-hmm. yeah. Versus prioritizing mental, emotional health, sleep, all that other actually important things. So that's, that's a bombshell moment there. I hadn't even put those that two and two together, but um, that makes so much sense. Oh, I love it. <laughs> That's like my number one thing. I love it is focusing on all areas of health and realizing that they all, they all matter. And, and honestly, you can, you can control your food and fitness for your whole life. But if your mental health isn't there, I mean, you've probably experienced it when you were going through it, you can be the smallest version of you, but that doesn't make you the best version of you or the happiest version of you. It's like, I know when I was my smallest, I was still so miserable and I wasn't happy. I, I still wanted more, mm-hmm. even though I had reached the goal that I had set for myself the whole time. It's like, you're, you'll just constantly be on this cycle if you're only focusing on those two. And so if you can focus and prioritize and kind of allow all of these areas to improve, that's when you're going to start to be like, oh, this is what it feels like to be healthy. This is what it feels like to feel like present and good in my body. And um, that comes from mental health and personal growth and learning about yourself as a human and not just going and sprinting away your life. Like, yes, occasionally go get those sprints in and focus and work on the mental health in that way. Cause it's like, that is good too. Like pushing yourself and getting through hard things physically that's a part of mental growth too, but it doesn't have to be the only way you do it. Right. Like, like identifying the intention behind mm-hmm. it, you know, sprints at 1230 at night, probably not the same intention as, you know, like mental strength sprints, you know, like on a yeah. um, <laughs> normal daily basis. Yes. Um, I love that. No. Yeah. And it's just so true. And I guess you, you've given out so many great, like my mind's blown. I have lots churning in my thoughts right now. Um, but is there just any like last message, piece of advice, something that's just like present for you right now that you'd want to share with anyone listening? Yeah. Um, two things. Number one, be kind. (laughs) Everyone is struggling right now. Like everybody is going through it. Some people worse than others, but everybody is being the, the cool, not the cool, but the interesting thing with COVID is every person on this planet can relate to it and has been affected by it. And it's something that we all can like look at each other and be like, yep, like we went through that or we're going through that. And so be kind to someone like when you're in line and they're struggling or there's someone new behind the desk and they just started, just be nice. Like when you're calling customer service, I know it sucks, but like, just be kind to people. Cause people are, I have a lot of friends in customer service right now and they're just like really struggling. And oh, yeah you can make a huge difference. Even if you're really upset with the situation, just saying like, Hey, I appreciate you. Thank you for what you're doing. So just be kind to people. That's my number one message. And then two, I just lost it. What was it? Number two was, um, I'm not going to be able to think of it. No. Oh, number two was you can literally do whatever the hell you want in your life with this launch that I have happening tomorrow, no matter how crazy it sounds, no matter how weird you think it is, no matter how insane or out of the box, 2020 is a crazy year. 
you can do it. If there's embrace the crazy. <laughs> yes, embrace the crazy. If there's something you're dreaming up, if there's something that you are thinking about just trying, literally now is the time. Like now is the time to at least give it that that shot because in 2021 or 2022, whatever, we're going to hopefully be back to somewhat normal and you're going to be back onto that, whatever grind you're on. And you're going to wish that you could go back to the, the looseness of 2020 and the uncertainty of 2020 when it's okay to fail and it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to have shit happen. So you can do it though. Just try new things and don't be scared to be creative and go get a coloring book. Yes. <laughs> coloring books save lives. Yes. No, find whatever you've got to do. And who knows, you know, maybe the crazy idea you start now is just fun for now. Maybe it sets you up for something new to come in the coming years. Who knows? Maybe two years from now, your little clothing startup here will be something much bigger. Everything has potential right now. So I love that. Where can people find you, connect, follow along? Yeah. So Instagram is my number one platform. It's just Gabby Mail, my name. Um, I do have TikTok. I'm not the best at it. I still feel like I'm like an old person on there. Like I just, it's difficult for me, but I do have TikTok and I do occasionally love it. Um, it's also Gab, everything is pretty much just at Gabby mail and, um, the website and the clothing company that I'm launching tomorrow is called relic 96 and it's on Etsy. So it's ships worldwide. Anyone can get it. Um, and it's an Etsy store. So that'll be live tomorrow, which is the 21st of August at 12 p.m. Eastern. So I'm super excited for that too. Perfect.